From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Molly Rockman is the founding director of Earth Dance Organic Farm School in Ferguson, Missouri. With 15 years of experience in sustainable agriculture in the U.S. and abroad, Molly is the visionary who saved the oldest organic farm west of the Mississippi from development and transformed it into an educational platform for organic agriculture and community empowerment. A native of St. Louis, Missouri, her passion for good food includes social justice and equity, She believes that the most regenerative agriculture is inclusive of all people and backgrounds. Molly also serves on the Moses Board of Directors. Welcome to our new episode of our In Her Boots podcast as we focus this summer on resilience and how we as a community of women farmers and educators and activists committed to organics can well, make it through the summer, but also even better come out stronger together. And I'm so excited that we have Molly Rockman with us today to share her story, which will go under this theme of pivots and detours. And I don't know, whatever other words you want to add to that, Molly, of how do we build our resilience through realizing when we need some changes, when we need to shake things up, when we need to do things to come back as you did to your farming roots. So thank you so much for, for sharing. This will be a really unique episode and inspiring. I think there's going to be women listening who will nod and say, wait, that's me. I felt the same way. And that's empowering to know we're not alone. So I want to uh, kick things off, Molly, with what is your personal definition of resilience? I think resilience is inner strength. Like I, I, I just keep thinking of it as this core strength, like this being in your integrity and having the ability to keep your own groundedness, no matter how many waves you're surfing on every day. <laughs> so it's like inevitably, you know, things aren't going to just remain statically wonderful. And so the ability to just... um ride with those ebbs and flows, but like maintaining your own core. I love the surfing analogy, especially for us landlocked Midwest women. That makes total <laughs> sense. And so yeah, why, right. <laughs> why is that concept of, of resilience? Although I learned that you can surf. I learned that you can surf in the Midwest. Oh, I didn't know that. It's not too cold, too cold for me, but I, I can appreciate the concept. Molly, why is the concept of resilience particularly important to women farmers, those of us with hands in the soil? Well, I think that two things. I think that as farmers, we naturally, as organic farmers in particular, we naturally see the resilience of nature and are attempting to mimic that in the way that we grow food. 
So by building resilient soil or resilient crops, um, having resilient farming systems, so we're not overly reliant on one particular crop or one particular season even. Um, So I think that is in the nature of, of the livelihood. I also know that on a farm, the work is never done or never feels like it's done. And so, um, you know, there's always a bed that needs to get weeded. There's always some irrigation that needs to get fixed or some customers that need a reminder to pay their invoice or whatever it may be, or an employee that needs a performance review. You know, there's review. There's so many different elements to farming that feel, I think, often overwhelming and can really lead to burnout and can lead to just like, you know, burning the midnight oil. And I just think that reminding yourself to focus on your core (laughs) is really helpful um, to avoid some of those things. Yeah. That's great advice. And why do you think sometimes this whole concept of resilience and building our strength in these capacities is a challenge, particularly for women farmers? Well, women are notorious for wearing a lot of hats in our lives. Um, you know, certainly if, if you're a married or with kids, farmer, woman farmer, you likely share a disproportionate amount. Um, you, you hold a disproportionate amount of the work around the house as well. And uh, the work of raising children as well. And so, and even those of us who are single, like myself, um, you know, there's other challenges of being a single female farmer of just having a lot of people I'm trying to take care of in my life, not necessarily who I live with, but who I want to show my love for in different ways. And so doing that on top of, you know, the outward work that I get paid to do, um, that's, yeah, we're used to, we're used to unpaid work as women. And (laughs) so... There's there's a lot more I can say about that, but I think that's probably the simplest way to say it is that there's there's an unending amount of unpaid work that we're used to, and I think so we're we're socially conditioned to just keep taking it on and not creating boundaries and limitations for ourselves. So Molly, we're, let's move into talking about this sabbatical year that you had uh, recently, and maybe could you first start us off by putting in context where you started, what a little bit more about Earth Dance Farm and where um, what you were doing there and where you started from. Sure. So Earth Dance is a nonprofit I started back in 2008 and really with the mission of preserving this particular amazing piece of farmland that's 14 acres in the middle of a neighborhood in Ferguson and wanting to keep that farm productive, wanting to keep it growing food and also realizing there was a real opportunity for um, a huge array of educational opportunities as somebody that traveled to California and lived there for six months to kind of get my start in organic vegetable farming. I saw a need for there to be a similar program, an apprenticeship program here in my hometown of St. Louis. And so I, yeah, started it back in 2008. It was very bootstrapped in the first 
year, we had a fundraiser, raised about $5,000, and that was literally our, our first year's operating budget in 2009 of running a, a program and, and starting a, the farm. And so, yeah, and we have grown substantially since that year from leasing a single acre of land for they only gave us a single year lease initially to now owning the farm outright. I say they, um, the woman who had lived in the, who she had farmed it with her husband, they, she passed away. And um, so we were able to acquire the farm in 2012. We've put a lot of infrastructure on the farm to make it more functional. We rehabbed the house to be our office, built a greenhouse, a packing shed, three high tunnels, put in farm road, you know, farm roads, a lot, a lot of it, an orchard, put it, put in a lot of improvements um, to really bring it to its current state. And meanwhile, also operated a farm and garden apprenticeship program for adults learning organic farming from seed to market. That program is now in its 12th season. And we've also had teenagers working on the farm, earning their first paycheck, many of them, our junior farm crew program, it's called, for the last five or six years. And then also run um, field trips and farm tours and a variety of other different community development and community empowerment programs over the years. So it's been it's been a very full past <laughs> um, 12 years, 12 or 13 years of, of starting this organization. And then when did the roots of the sabbatical idea start or how, how did you know? Because I think that's a real challenge for all of us women with, you know, we're just deep in what we do to start seeing, I don't know, signs, feelings, little clues along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So it started, I don't know how many years in, honestly, I think there was a lot of times where I really wanted to take, you know, several months off, but it didn't feel like business-wise that we were in a position to do that, you know, right when I think, okay, I'm going to take, you know, at least six weeks off this winter, but then our farm manager would decide that they were moving to Colorado or something, you know, and so I was like, <laughs> okay, we're looking for a new farm manager. I guess that's what my winter is instead. So a lot of things kept getting, you know, I would say, um, feeling like needed to be put off and put off. And then it got to a point where I was just so fatigued and starting to feel jaded about the work and um, overwhelmed by the challenges of not only running a farm, but also managing a nonprofit organization with so many different stakeholders and a board. And, you know, I just felt like I was being leaned on in all these different directions and emotionally really drained, just feeling like I was trying to give of myself to the point where I was just getting mad really easily <laughs> and not mm. um, like, and like directing that at myself. And I just, I knew I needed a substantial break. And I also didn't want to just up and leave. You know, I think a lot of times when we're in a situation like that, we feel like the only way out is to just quit our jobs or leave, you know, resign from our position at a nonprofit. And I, I really believe that we need more rest and renewal 
in our lives, especially in the United States, to be able to keep our eyes on the mission of what we're trying to do. And so I think I was I was first introduced to this concept actually when I my coworker, my colleague Rachel and I went and attended this training at Grub, which is a really awesome nonprofit focused on farm-based youth development in Olympia, Washington. And I'd found out that their former executive director had taken, I think, a five or six month sabbatical because she was kind of tired of her particular role in the organization and really just wanted to focus more on the programming. And she came back as the youth programming director, I think it was her title, and also um, helped other organizations. She kind of did, she called it pollination coordinator, um, helped other organizations learn from the programming they developed. And so just actually going to the training to learn their youth programming model was how I also learned about her sabbatical experience. Mm. And I asked if I could follow up with a phone call about that. And um, the biggest takeaway was five months was way too short. <laughs> and But it was also very helpful still. And she, I think one of the reasons it was too short was because for a new executive director to come in, it's really challenging to just when you have the former executive director in there still to like for that leadership transition to really take hold. And it was hard for her and the team and the new executive director. But I think as far as I know, it's, it's going really well now. So I would say, you know, it was funny because our, she was our program director at the time. We chatted about it afterwards and she just kind of like could tell that that must've really resonated for me because I get so excited by the actual work that we do that sometimes all of the administrative and, you know, the fundraising in particular side of things is so just kind of like sucks the air right out of the balloon. You know, it's like, this is what's necessary. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do what's necessary. But it, um, yeah, it can be really exhausting when that's not what feeds you. So so yeah, I had wanted to do one for a while. It became very clear that I could just keep waiting for the right moment and that moment would never just present itself on its own. <laughs> Nobody was ever going to just say to me like, "Oh, Molly, you know, why don't you take a year off and I'm going to help you set it up by this that that and the other." You know, like as leaders in our own businesses, our own nonprofits, in our own farms, we have to be the ones to like carve out the time. Nobody else is going to do it for us. So it became a very intentional process of designing for that to be able to happen. And I was very, very fortunate that that same woman, Rachel, was also interested in developing herself more in her work and her career path and was interested in more responsibility. So we'd worked together for so long and had such a a deep level of trust and respect for each other that that was honestly like, I don't think I would have ever felt like I could have done it without her. Um, So I'm so grateful to that. And that kind of also shows that like, you know, women, as women, we naturally often do better working together. I think like that it's, I think it probably works for both men and women that way, but I think women like 
are more comfortable with that being the case mm. that um, that really partnerships and teams are what make our work possible. So so she really stepping up and then the two of us, along with our board chair, really getting very clear about like taking the strategic plan that our board and staff had worked on and developing really specific goals for what that would look like over the next few years. We spent I think at least like nine different meetings, like an hour to three hours each going over that. It felt really secure to walk away knowing like, okay, we've, we've had all the conversations we could have possibly had beforehand and like also put into place different mechanisms to like, you know, I I wasn't completely, completely out of the loop. Like, we would have phone meetings about once a month or sometimes a little bit more if necessary so that if there was things she needed assistance with or coaching on or just wanted to run you know talk to me about things um we had that in place so a lot of planning time particularly in the role you had where it was integral to the organization that makes a lot of sense and what what did so when did you when what give us time frame and what did you do during your time away from Earth Dance. Yeah, so it was a full year, and this would have been um, March 1 to February 29th. So it was last year, 2019, um, till this, right up until um, just about when the pandemic was hitting, when it was when I came back, um, when it was coming to the US. Very interesting timing. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I'm so, so grateful that I did take the sabbatical when I did, because for me, a lot of what I was interested in doing was traveling and, um, visiting other countries and, you know, seeing, yeah, seeing other parts of the world and honestly doing a lot of things that don't have something as closely related to farming. (laughs) You know, I, I did certainly visit farms and you can, um, I can't go anywhere and not still want to be connected to the local food system of wherever I am. Um, so of course like farmers markets and visiting farms were a highlight, but, um, it was also my chance to, you know, do a wilderness survival course in the deserts of Utah and get trained to be able to teach yoga. And I went to several music festivals. I'm a big music fan. And so it was, it was just really wonderful to like, remember the other parts of myself, honestly, because I, I think having been a founder of an organization and also just somebody who, for me, my identity is so tied to my work in this world that I wanted to remember who Molly is aside from being the founding director of Earth Dance. Wow. Oh, that that really hit, strikes a chord. And as I recall, too, in, within all of these things you did, it, the people connection was really important to you, right? You visited old friends and family. And was that a piece of your sabbatical pie that was important to you? It absolutely was. In fact, um, I didn't do this, you know, with every single person I visited, but a few people who, you know, I think in, in mainstream American culture, we don't necessarily think of the importance of honoring elders and, and really spending time with people who, paved the way for us or taught us a lot, especially in our younger years. So that was a really um, 
gosh, I'm going <laughs> to tear up just thinking about a really remarkable mm. piece of the, of the time. It was small slices here and there, but yeah, I started my journey in um, California. I was headed out to Fiji. I'd actually spent a year studying and living in, in Fiji the year after I graduated college and then and then went back and started an organic farming project actually in Fiji um, years later and, and really feel like that's that place is like my sole home. So I was headed there via California, of course, and my aunt, who's also my godmother, um, lives in Laguna Woods, California, and she had just moved there from LA. And I visited her and she has had such a profound impact on my life and on my life path. And I just, she was up for doing a video interview with me. And we just talked for probably 20 minutes on video of, you know, her sharing memories of me is from when I was younger and me telling her memories I had that really shaped the course of my life. And to be able to have that exchange and then to have a recording of it for, I'm crying as if she's gone. She's not gone, <laughs> but you know, I just, oh. I, I cherish memories like that. And, um, and then I was able to do something similar with a professor. Life is just so fragile. Oh, well, what a gift to be able to have the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's somebody I would have wanted to do that with in St. Louis and she's gone. That is a, a gift, like an unexpected gift of the sabbatical for me was, was even just the time and space to realize the importance of doing something like that to me, like the taking the time to like, just sit and talk to somebody who's made a big impact on my life and, and thank them and hear from them, their reflections. And, and just, yeah, I was also able to spend a significant amount of time with a real mentor of mine, Francis Morlopay, and who's a writer and a, a leader in the food movement work and develop a closer relationship with her. And it's just something I didn't even, I think, realize when I was first envisioning what a sabbatical would look like. I'm, I'm an adventurer by nature. So I just really was so eager to travel and go places I've always wanted to go. But really, a lot of the most important times were just getting to connect with people who have had a big impact on my life. And some people who I always knew I wanted to spend more time with, but just, you know, like I was able to spend a few weeks in Bend, Oregon, visiting a cousin who I haven't gotten to know as well in my lifetime. And we became really close. So yeah, it was just, it was a really, really beautiful, regenerative time for me. Oh, regenerative is a great word there, Molly, to describe your story. And given <laughs> that regeneration theme, how how did you... I don't know if change is the right word even, but evolve when you came back because the the short ending to this, not ending, but you came back recommitted to your role, which I think is a really important piece of your story because you didn't completely detour in the sense of I'm doing the wrong thing. You just came back and are doing it stronger. And how do you feel you 
grew as a person during the sabbatical experience that allowed you to not only step back into your executive director roles, but to what you were saying, to step into them during a pandemic. It's almost it's almost a little eerie destiny, I must say. Do you know that the timing couldn't have been more specific? Yeah. But you really came back renewed to take on a new world. Yes, and <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't think any of us could have predicted how much our world would change, of course. Um, even just hearing the word pandemic, I don't think anyone would understand what the real ramifications are because it's, it runs so deep and in so many different ways. Yeah, I did. You know, honestly, our, our board chair did something really smart at the beginning of the sabbatical because there is so little information out there about how to do this, you know, and how to do this well, especially for nonprofits where we're used to just working until we're burned out and then leaving and moving on to something else as opposed to building in periods of rest and renewal. But I will say the challenge is in the coming back is like after the feeling of freedom and the feeling of like, oh, there's so many other parts of life that I'm interested in exploring. And so, but in order to really give some of that learning and that energy gained back to the work that made, you know, made the sabbatical possible, um, our board chair, we wrote a contract, you know, that I would come back for X amount of time. And so then I think, I just think that was really smart because it helped, um, it, it just helped create a little bit of structure and continuity because even if during the sabbatical, I realized like, oh, well, well I really want to be doing this with my life. Then you know, it takes time to set up for exec, especially I think a founder to leave an organization. But in, in my case, I think it just kind of gave me different and new perspectives on the work itself so that my vision isn't so much on, okay, these are, these are our key programs. We're going to keep tweaking them, but working with these programs, I think having the ability to suspend any ideas or notions of what we quote unquote should be doing has led to hopefully some real transformation for the organization. At least from my perspective, I, I really have a different view on what we can slash should be doing going forward and, and the process that it's going to take to get us there. It's not going to be just my individual ideas. You know, there's so many wonderful voices who are a part of our organization and who we want to be a part of the organization that we are going to draw out and, you know, blend together, hopefully, into the next path for Earth Dance going forward. So it feels it feels really good to be a part of that conversation of our future, as opposed to, like I said, if I had just gotten so fatigued and left and inevitably organizations change and shift and especially in light of of the recent not just the pandemic but the recent highlighting of racial injustices in this country you know we need to do things differently we need to shift resources we need to shift power and so i'm really grateful to be able to be a part of this new phase of earth dance whatever that's going to end up looking like over the next few years 
That's amazing, Molly. Thank you. What uh, to kind of close us out? What advice would you give a woman in your shoes? You know, two or three years ago, of feeling the just hearing your story and being very inspired. Number one, that they may need something like this. What would be the first steps? What advice would you give? The first steps to considering a sabbatical are to look around you and see who's on your team. And if there's maybe somebody who could step into your role or help fill some of the needs that your farm or your organization will have in your absence, work on, you know, first having really open, frank conversations with them about whether that's something they're interested in even. And then next, thinking through what does the process look like to get from where you're at right now to a place where other people are filling your roles um, in your absence. Because to me, that's one of the most crucial parts, not only for me or, you know, you as a, as a individual to feel comfortable. Like for, for me, I'm saying it wasn't just important to feel like some ease and some comfort around, okay, the place is going to be well taken care of in my absence, but also for the entity itself that you're a part of, you know, for the, whether it's a farm or a, um, an organization doing similar work that, that they can actually grow stronger in your absence. That's something that I think our board really saw value in was, you know, the amount of leadership and capacity that will just out of need for it, it will be developed in, in my absence. So yeah, I would say, look at your team, talk to your team and develop the steps for how you're going to get from there, from point A to point B. And obviously I'm, I'm speaking to this from the perspective of somebody who's part of an organization um, and part of a farm team. So if you're if you're currently operating your business or your farm more as a solo entrepreneur, you'll need to look at things differently and think about what do you really want for your business? Do you want um, do you want it to continue to operate without you? Do you want to try to find somebody to sell it to? Maybe for you a year doing something different will just look, it will naturally look different from what it looked like for me. Lots of options there. Terrific. Well, thank you again so much, Molly, for sharing your story and for being so authentic in yourself in knowing what you need. That's really, as we go through these stories of resilience and women farmers, I'm really seeing a common theme here that you exemplify of understanding yourself and knowing when you need something, be it be it rest, be it water, be it a good meal, be it a year doing something else. It's really all about knowing ourselves. So thank you so much and for all you do for Moses and our farming community. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of techsocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.